Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. Turn over. I want to lick your arse. Jack rolled over eagerly and got up on his hands and knees. Nate hummed happily as he licked at Jack's crack. He loved this so much, the pure intimacy of the act, and the way Jack responded to it with moans and gasps of pleasure, drove Nate a little crazy. He gradually worked in his fingers, carefully, with only spit as lube, but Jack took too easily, used to being fucked by Nate by now. He was impatient for more, rarely needing Nate to go slowly. By the time Nate slid his cock into Jack's hole, they were both slick with sweat and wet and the heat of the fire. It burned down a little and was a little darker now, the light from the candles just enough to see by. Jack groaned as Nate thrust inside with one firm stroke. I won't last, he warned. Oh, Claire. Oh, oh, yes. We have to do a podcast, darling. Right, I suppose but I we will should. say it is it is very obvious that that passage was written by a man who has sex with men. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Neil, and I am Claire, and this is FMK Lit, where we read two romance novels, a straight one and a queer one, and then we play fuck Mary kill with the characters, and all the spoilers so many spoilers get on the spoiler train because it's a coming and there's an end to it and we'll tell you when it's that what it is (laughs) i was trying to do a caboose thing yeah no no no, i got i got it i got it (laughs) but then also caboose can mean butt so it's sexy look there's all kinds of ends we're getting to here (laughs) oh that is exceptionally true um Claire, what did we read this time? All right. Well, today we read Second Chance by Jay Northcote and mm-hmm. Choose Me, Silver Fox, Romance Book One by Natasha Moore. What was the theme? The theme was Silver Foxes? Question mark, because honestly, like these people are uh, in the prime of their lives. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, But yes, these are over 40s. I think I should say over 40s. Yeah, we'll say that. We'll say that. We'll say that. We'll say that. Um, Great. I'm so excited to talk about these books. But before we do, Claire. (gasps) Neil? What's got you hot and bothered? Legos! (gasps) (gasps) Uh, Uh, Yes. Look, joy. One must find it. Often one must seek it out. Sometimes one must go into their past and go, what made me happy before? And let me tell you what, it has never not been Legos. (laughs) (laughs) So I went out and I bought myself and my husband two large uh, Lego structures. Matt was like, maybe we should tell people we're into model building. And I was like, no, Legos. No. We're building Legos. Yeah, in my mind, Legos is cooler. I 
Look, I'm not going to say cool. I'm not going to not say cool. I think it's because there's an air of whimsy to Legos that there isn't in model. Not to say that people shouldn't go build models. If you want to build some models, go do it. Whatever makes you happy. We're all trying to get through the day, right? <laughs> but in my mind, if someone's like, oh, I'm building, I'm building models. It's like, oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. But if someone's like, I'm doing Legos. I'm like, that person knows how to have fun. <laughs> so and we did we spent a couple of days like we very carefully and cl- slowly went through all of the you know little baggies and put together mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. and i put together a medieval blacksmith shop oh. and like the forge lights up <gasps> i just it looks so cool there's an apple tree inside that apple tree there's a little frog oh. look the whole thing is adorable and um, I'm not going to say that when the next medieval thing comes out, I'm going to run out and get it. But when the next medieval thing comes out, I'm going to run out and get it. Oh, um, yeah. It was super fun. It was delightful. And I got to say, like, as our time indoors stretches on mm-hmm. <laughs> and as, like, things become stranger, Um, it just felt really good to just like sink into this project where I knew what the end was. I knew what the goal was. It was fun. It was delightful. It was not stressful. I was not in danger of breaking anything interminably. I was not, it was just nice and it Mm -hmm. was a joy Mm -hmm. and I high recommend. I also bought a large Lego set Mm. and one Friday night, my God, I was so fucking excited. One Friday night, I went and got myself some nachos for dinner. It was fantastic. And then when I was done with my nachos, I went into the living room, cleared off the coffee table, poured myself a very large glass of rosé. Because when Neil pours drinks, like, if they didn't want you to pour that much wine, the cup wouldn't be so big. Look, uh, look, all we're saying is that when Neil pours a drink, he's really just taking the entirety of the drink from one vessel to another one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because then you don't have to keep getting up. It's yes. economical. economical. Anyway, so I poured myself a hefty glass of rosé, and then on my TV, I went to the YouTube channel Chill Cow, which I also recommend. It's lo-fi hip-hop with looping animation that's like one thing will sort of move at a time and it's always this girl and her ginger cat in different places and it's just like so relaxing and so i just sat at the coffee table listening to this very relaxing music drinking rosé and putting together legos and it was the fucking best it was so much fun and it was so like i just i was like okay blah 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 i looked up four hours had passed and i had no idea where those hours had gone and i was not um, missing them. I was like, great. I did. I, those four hours were well spent. All we're saying is we're adulting in the best way possible. Yeah. 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 Winning. Yeah. Neil, yeah. what has got yeah. you hot and bothered? I have two very short things to discuss. One of them is that apparently, so the tablet that I use to read our books, apparently decided to do an update because before I could push a little icon and it would show me a list of all of the things that I had bookmarked and I could go through them very quickly. Now, when I push that little icon, it adds or removes a bookmark to the page that I'm on. And so now I have to go through the section that shows me everything that I've highlighted and then filter for bookmarks. And 
Amazon, if you're listening, because I know you are, fix it. <laughs> fix it. Like, I understand that a fair amount of people are just using one bookmark at a time, because that's where they're keeping track of where they are. Though if you're on a tablet, I don't see why you would even need that. No, 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 I'm bookmarking things because I want to be able to reference them easily. Fix it. Anyway, my other thing is inspired by one of the books that we read. Ooh. But it's not nearly so exciting as the other things that I have, my other, my previous hot and botherds that have been inspired by the books. So in one of the books, one of the characters is going through her attic and sort of clearing things out. And she finds a bunch of VHSs. She's like, oh my god, I remember growing up, or when the kids were growing up, they would, we'd have the family movie night, what a wonderful memory that I have, etc., etc. And she's like, I don't think I even have a VHS player anymore. And I just have to say, so for the past, I don't know, five-ish years, I hear people saying the word v- the phrase VHS player all the time, and I feel like I'm in the middle of a Mandela effect, because I'm like, no, it's a VCR. Has everyone forgotten the word VCR? Like, what is happening? Am I... Claire, Christine, am I crazy? VCR was a thing, right? Okay, Christine nods. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Although okay, I do I... have to say, like, when you were saying VHS player, and you're like, and I feel like I'm going crazy, and like, what else was it called? And and then you said... And, then, and you're... Oh my god, it even left me right now. Yes, the VCR. Yeah. Like... Yes, mm-hmm. it's just, oh my god, that is nuts. I, I can understand why it happened, because more or less every, or for a long time, every media player after that was a blank player. So like CD mm. player, DVD player, Blu-ray player, MP3 player, like I get it. But sometimes I will go a very long time without... With people talking about VHSs and nobody saying VCR, and I question my own sanity. I'm like, that was a thing, right? That was a thing that people said, <laughs> right? Yes, okay. yes, 100%, okay. yes. Okay, uh, thank you, thank you. That's all I needed. I still have a VHR, VCR. See, v- I a can't VHS player? even say it. I've, like, I'm, I'm so out of saying it like that. Right. Yeah. But uh, we have one. We haven't used it in a while, but it's because we have the original um, Star Wars. You, and, you can't uh, You can't get rid of those. No, because we want to watch those. Because those are um, the good ones. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about some books. Let's talk about some books. Second Chance by Jay Northcote. This one's a little long, listeners, so if you feel like skipping, it's fine. Everyone deserves a second chance. Nate and his teenage daughter need a fresh start, so they move back to the village where he grew up. Nate's transgender and not used to disclosing his history, so it's hard living where people knew him before. When Nate reconnects with Jack, his best friend from school and unrequited crush, his feelings return as strong as ever. Jack's returned home to get his life in order after an addiction to alcohol caused him to lose everything. His job his driver's license, and nearly his life. He's living with his parents, which is less than ideal, but rekindling his friendship with Nate, or Nat as Jack once knew him, is an unexpected benefit of being back home. Jack is amazed by Nate's transformation and can't deny his attraction. Trying for more than friendship might ruin what they already have, but the chemistry between them is undeniable. Doubting his feelings are reciprocated, Nate fears he's risking heartbreak. 
Jack's reluctance to tell his parents about their relationship only reinforces Nate's misgivings. With both their hearts on the line and their happiness at stake, Jack needs to make things right, and Nate has to be prepared to give him a second chance. This story is a standalone. Length, 67,000 words, approximately. So that's what the book says it's about, Claire. Uh Uh-huh. What's this book actually about? Um, yeah. I mean, that's, there's a lot of that in it. Yeah, Um, yeah. I feel like it was much longer than it needed to be. Uh, both the book and that summary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fact. Fact. So, yeah, Nate and his teenage daughter have come back for a fresh start. Uh, the fresh start that's needed is the teenage daughter went through an exceedingly rough time where uh, it seems like she got heavy into drugs, heavy into alcohol. Um, she had a bad breakup with a guy and, um, she went through sort of like a fugue state and she stabbed herself in the arm with broken glass. Mm-hmm. Like it was bad. It was really bad. And so Nate felt like he needed to take his daughter out of that environment. Um, fortunately his alcoholic and abusive father had died. So there was space back at the home he had grown up with. <laughs> Um, fortunately, fortunately, I mean, the guy sounded like a right bastard. So oh yes, yeah, I was. I was so glad we didn't have to deal with that character. I am as well. I was also glad we didn't have to deal with the fact that that character existed at some point. Like we were just like, oh, and he's dead, so it's fine. Like, like yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. cares. The the extent of it was sort of alluding to Nate used to have a somewhat difficult relationship with his mother, but now they're doing much better. Right. Yes. And his mom seems great. Oh, she was delightful. She was, like, super wonderful, very supportive, uh, and... No, great. Nate is struggling with being a single father. Um, he's always been a single parent. Like, that's important to say. But I think uh, right now, because of uh, what his daughter is going through, he's having a hard time because he wants her to have a full life um, and to experiment and to feel safe doing so. But he also wants to make sure she is safe and (laughs) like is, so he's having a hard time balancing, um, keeping her safe and being an overwhelming parent. Um, I will say he's leaning too hard one direction for my taste, but you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But she seems to have like, like figured things out more or less. No, she's figured things out more or less. I'm just saying, Nate could be on it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. 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 But also, like, because Nate and Jack refer to... because So part of it, too, is that Nate and his daughter were living in London. And he's like, oh, if I take her back to the village, that'll remove her from a lot of the temptation. So it's like back to the small village life, which sort of presents its own problems for being a parent because your kids are going to get up to the same shit they're just like uh going to be more secretive about it and probably end up passed out in the woods instead of like the middle of a street kind of thing yeah um but i feel like he made the right choice overall like getting her out of that environment and kind of like immersing her in another one but because of that their relationship is going through some hard times Mm -hmm. but the other thing is of course uh, Nate grew up here and he hasn't been back since he's, uh, 
uh, mm -hmm. since his uh, transformation. Uh, and so I think like he's feeling awkward about that in some ways because he doesn't want to constantly have to explain himself, especially mm -hmm. to people who've never in person met somebody who had transitioned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so like he's he's feeling he he wants to seclude himself. He wants to sort of just let his daughter go out into the world and he just wants to kind of stay in his world and just like because he doesn't really want to have to deal with that on a day to day basis, which is I think like perfectly just, fair. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Um, so kind of the first person he meets is Jack. And Jack was his best friend from school when they were growing up. And in fact, his only friend, we're going to find out. Like not only his only friend, his only crush, his only like everything all throughout school. The only person he felt safe with, the, like the deep crush to unrequited love. Um, Jack was gay. And so he, he wasn't attracted to Natalie at the time, uh, because she was at the time, like saw herself as a she. And so like, it was, a, it, you know, it was something, it was a bridge they couldn't cross, um, no matter how much, uh, Nat, uh, Nate wanted to. Um, and now that he's grown up, he also doesn't want to cross that bridge because he wants to just be himself and not have to think about that kind of crap anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jack, on the other hand, uh, is having a rough fucking time. <sighs> Alcoholism, obviously addicted to some, some other substances like depression, depression, a lot of things. I could be wrong. We don't really get into it. <laughs> Besides, like, like, like his parent, like growing up with his particular parents was rough. There wasn't a lot of acceptance in the tiny ass town that they grew up in. He also moved to London and tried to make a life there and it mm -hmm. just didn't work out. And he's just been sort of lost is what it feels like. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, he kind of bounced around a bit too. And I think before coming back, he was most recently in Manchester. Yeah. So I think he was sort of like bouncing around big cities and then, um, it did make me feel though that I had like, so I could account for a lot of like Nate's life, like, mm -hmm. and like his like experiences and like, cause he, they're both 45 now. So, like, there's a lot of life between 19 and 45. And, like, I could kind of get what was happening with Nate. I don't know what happened with Jack. Like, no. <laughs> like, what, no. what was his job stuff? Like, uh. did he go to school? Uh. Did he have significant partners between then and Nate? He had the one. He had Miles. Miles, right. But that and was just, that was in, up in Manchester. They just broke up. Yeah. They, yeah. So, yeah, we we learned nothing about Jack's life between school and... Does Jack like to go out English. dancing? I don't know. Does Jack do the parades? I don't know. Um, does Jack like to read uh, certain types of books? I don't know. Yeah, that is my entire problem with this book. <laughs> he, like, he likes uh, 80s rock that's As all we does, know about him. Like, I feel like Jack is here specifically to be uh, the thing, the, 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 like, the troubled person who is, uh, who's fixed through, like, 
I, I don't know. Like, like exactly what even, like, fixes him. Like, it was, it was so, like, so we've got this backstory. So these two people meet. And honestly, I was like, yeah, I'm all for it. What happens now? And what happens now is that Jack very slowly, like, gets his shit together, gets a part-time job, like, starts exercising a little bit, does the things his therapist tells him to do. Gives up smoking. Gives up smoking, um, starts reconnecting with Nate, learns a lot about what it means to be transgender, like, has a lot of empathy growth he has to do, and falls in love with his best friend, who is Nate, and then, um, that's it. That Hooray! We did it! We told the, <laughs> that was the book. <laughs> um... And so, I mean, like, their their actual biggest stumbling block in, like, getting together, like, is... Okay, their biggest stumbling block in getting together is Nate's own feelings that he's the only one who's actually feeling romantic love for the other partner. Jack's main stumbling block is that Jack is worried that his parents are going to be transphobic in front of Nate and doesn't want Nate to to have to deal with that but that that seems to be it <laughs> like i was trying really hard i was like no 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 right. there's more to this it's, it's there's also more <laughs> very obvious that the the parents obviously they they lapse and make a few gaffes but the the parents are trying i will admit that they don't try hard enough they don't try hard enough but and it's it's they obviously aren't being malicious it's just them having to work really hard to educate themselves and like yeah that's uncomfortable but it's like well and that's part well, of the problem also, they're both talking about like maybe going off to london at some point too so yeah. like it, it won't be the, the problem will eventually fix itself i think the other problem is like like because Jack doesn't want to have any relationship with his parents at all. Like, mm -hmm. he wants to avoid any sort of discussion with them about anything. Um, and honestly, if Jack had just very calmly and quietly been the one to walk them through these things, maybe a couple of times before meeting Nate again, like, it's possible they would have been real chill and known what to do, <laughs> been very uncomfortable, made Nate uncomfortable, like, it would have been rough. I'm not saying it would have mm -hmm. been easy, but also these are two loving people who obviously love their son very much. <laughs> and, yeah. like, we're having, like, and it was just like, I don't, I don't know quite, and, and so reasonably Nate was like you're embarrassed about me that's why you don't want your parents to know about me you're embarrassed about me and I don't want to date somebody who's embarrassed about the fact that I've transitioned uh, and that's fair and, but that's actually not Jack's problem <laughs> <laughs> that's just the conception of right and <sighs> then uh, um, and then Nate's daughter like has a horrific incident at a party like she goes to a party and somebody slips ketamine into a drink without her knowing it um she's had a little bit of booze not much it interacts badly and she throws up and passes out they can't rev revive her right away they take her to the hospital and it takes a while to revive her at the hospital she's fine um her boyfriend is great. He made sure she got there, didn't just dump her off there, like, was fucking worried about her the whole time. He was 
great. It was delightful. Uh. <laughs> He's like, I, uh, my mom's going to pick me up and I have to go. There's nothing I can do about that because I am a child. Because- <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a child. I am a child. <laughs> and, and, and so, like, and then the moment uh, the daughter wakes up, the one time we see Nate be not quite a perfect person is a moment where he goes like, what did you take? How could you do this? How could you do something so stupid? And honestly, it was the most human thing that I saw Nate do as well. And I was like perfectly fine with it. I'm like, no, this makes sense. Like, and it's not a trust issue. Like, like she'd done something like this before. And then when he had all the facts presented to him, Nate was like, oh, obviously you were poisoned at a party and I'm very sorry. And I was like, ah, so Nate didn't have to go through any growth in this book. Mm -hmm. There was no no growth Nate had to do. There's no acceptance of somebody else. There was none of that. And I thought there could have been. There was a really great opportunity because Nate grew up with an alcoholic father. It would be very difficult to then start a relationship with someone who is just in recovery. Like, ooh, that's hard. And not only that, like, most of the people who I've known who have had to go, go through, like, the road to recovery like jack is just starting are told that don't start relationships right away like it's Mm -hmm. it's not healthy (laughs) you are not ready (laughs) your your brain has become a baby brain again (laughs) you are a child you are a child (laughs) and so like i was like there's so much good conflict here and Mm -hmm. like And there's so much that they could talk about their lives and the wonderful things that they've done and experienced and seeing each other. And like also the hard things and the horrible things we can see them connecting. And I didn't see these two people connecting at all. Like they threw in a mixtape that they'd kind of listened to. And it was, and they're like, Oh, you know, we really like this song together. And I was like, look, we all like the cure. Let's not, let's not pretend like this is like, you were the only two who bonded over the cure and the Smiths. Right. <laughs> I, I have to say, I felt that way too. I was like, okay, I get it. They're just like listening to the same music, whatever. And then literally the other night, my roommates and I had a paint night and my roommate who was organizing it played a playlist that was strictly like mid 2000s alt rock and I somehow still knew all the words and I was literally transported back to parts of my childhood it's like now I understand why they kept listening to this music I totally get it now oh my no. god I'm an old I know I mean I I think it's fair but the thing is we didn't really get into the emotions of those songs with them yeah like we weren't transported back like we really just like we're just like oh great now we're connected now that you, means we're in love you know what I think would have helped this book a lot character growth yes also more flashbacks oh my god yeah because there were a couple flashbacks they were done very well and then we just never saw them again and then the daughter didn't get poisoned at the party until like 75 percent into the book so there's mm-hmm. a long stretch in the middle where not a lot happened um but i think if we got oh, a what few do you mean more flashbacks, pornographic porn happened between that just like lots of sex happens. like there was just chapters of sex chapters of sex and i i want to talk about that because 
some of it was very hot. Some of it really was. Mm-hmm. And some of it was very clinical. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was like, oh, we've yeah. decided this is not sexy. We're just like, like, it was like, now do this. You do this. Now do this. Do this. Does that feel good? Yes, it does. <laughs> if you want this to happen, do this. If not, do this. And then I will do this to you. Excellent. Um, I am doing it. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Um, I mean, that's kind of yeah, why I read that. they were super into it, which I enjoyed. They were so, I mean, good for them. Like, if that's what you good want, you know. I mean, yeah. but that's why I read that section, because it was full of dirty words, but it didn't feel particularly <laughs> sexy, really. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's so, like, no, great. <laughs> things that I enjoyed about this book. Um, the thing that I liked the most about the book is that the two of them despite being 45-year-olds, were suddenly in a situation that was very similar to them being teenagers. So, like, they were both living at home. Only one of them had a car. And so them sort of, like, trying to navigate privacy was very difficult, as it is when you're a teenager. So I I I really did love... I really love the lovemaking scene that they had to do in the car. Oh, my God. Let's talk about it. That was so great. Let's talk about it. Um, yeah, there's one point where they're like, we want to fuck each other, but we both live with our, uh, Nate lives with his mom and his daughter, and Jack lives with both of his parents, and so they're like, what are we going to do? Oh, there's this, like, country road that all the teenagers make out at. Okay, let's get in the car, pull off on the side of the road, and just fuck in the car. And I appreciated that they were super into it, but it was tricky because they're in the backseat of a car and that is hard to maneuver and they're two full-grown men they're not like teenagers anymore (laughs) yeah 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 so i i loved that scene i loved like the connection like it was goofy but it was also sensual and Mm -hmm. it was also fun and like Mm -hmm. it was it was really really kind of delightful and and no i agree i liked that they were both in a moment where they had to reorient their lives and it was like a second teenager and it really was a second chance like here they are they had a first chance as teenagers and now here they are with a second chance and it was done in a way that felt um like like it seemed realistic but then was also this like beautiful sort of like mirroring of their experience as opposed to if you'll remember the football book where they fell in love at camp and they kept talking about how great it was when they were like 16 and wanted to fuck each other when they were 16 in a way that felt really weird for grown adults to talk about it didn't feel like that at all it was and and there was a moment too that they're like oh my god it's like we're teenagers but we are grown-ass men and this is kind of embarrassing yes it was sweet another thing that i really enjoyed i'm in the book you're in the book yes there's a point where nate was talking about um when he sort of first started to learn about the concept of being trans and he went to a party and was introduced to someone that he thought was female but was introduced to to him as Neil. And Neil was, like, very patient and just like, oh, yeah. Neil clocked Nate right away, too. I was like, I'm just going to ask a few probing questions, if you don't mind. So, So I'm... 
I've been in two of our books. The first one was that guy who wouldn't stop crying after sex because of the Catholic guilt. And now I am, not I am, but another Neil is, seems like a very lovely trans man who wants to sort of bring the baby trans kids under his wing and help them fly. And I feel vindicated for Neil's. Oh, hooray Neil's! Hooray Neil's! <laughs> um, but yeah, another thing that struck me um we had a lot of uh moving the bathtub moments that i will now call bathtubbing <laughs> like when we went through the first day of um jack's job like his first day on the job mm -hmm. the only thing that was important was a line where he felt that he walked past some kids and they were laughing at him and it reminded him of when he was in high school. Yep. I'm like, give us a flashback. I didn't need to, I really don't care what time he got up in the morning, what he ate for breakfast, how long it took him to get to work, who it was that answered the door, what time he gets to leave every day. Like, the none of it The times the faculty meetings were. I don't like there was so much. It was like, when are we going to get to why this chapter was written? And we got to it in the last, like, and it was a chapter. It was a mm -hmm. chapter of this book. And we got to it at the last five lines. And I was like, one, this was the perfect time for a flashback. Like, yes. what was his college life, uh, high school life like? Uh, what was like the other people like? Like, because mm -hmm. we kept, we kept alluding to both Jack and Nate felt I think they were both bullied. They both felt like outcasts. They both felt unsafe until they met each other and became friends. I'm like, why didn't we see that scene? Yeah. Why didn't those kids possibly laughing at Jack send him back to when he met Nate, then Nat, and what that was like for them? I want to see that scene because that helps us build in the feelings of the relationship instead of them just like, sitting around listening to Pink Floyd and fucking. Like, don't get me wrong. Sit around and listen to Pink Floyd and fuck as much as you want. But I don't need to read, like, three chapters in a row of that very same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that I really missed was... So, when Nate moved away, he stopped like having a relationship with Jack like he just stopped like he cut off contact not in a mean way he wasn't like goodbye forever I don't want to talk to you like he ghosted Jack mm -hmm. and and it hurt Jack's feelings like a lot which is totally understandable um and Nate feels no responsibility for that the mm -hmm. like and that was very weird the way the book was totally okay with that like on behalf of Nate mm -hmm. that like Jack was abandoned <laughs> And I get that Nate had some very important and very big feelings for Jack, like, and that those feelings were like, and that it was difficult to talk about, impossible to talk about. Nate didn't know who he was, didn't know how he wanted to live his life yet. And like, it just felt impossible. And they're teenagers. And I totally get that. Mm -hmm. But when Jack says it hurt my feelings, like... I missed you so much. And uh, like, it was the one time I was like, I also, I really felt that like Jack really needed an explanation and it needed to be more than I was really in love with you. And I couldn't stop that. And I needed to separate myself from it. 
there needed to be an I'm sorry. I realized that you also needed me as much as I needed you and I didn't. Like, you don't have to go back in time and fix it. <laughs> but you need to recognize the other person had those feelings mm-hmm. and that you were responsible for hurting somebody yeah. even if it was okay that you took yourself out of that <laughs> yeah and i was like why aren't we talking more about this moment yeah one last thing i'll have to say is um it felt very uh genuine to a trans man's experience and I'm exaggerating a little, it kind of felt like an after-school special and that it felt very informative, but not especially engaging. Yeah. Like, I feel like I have better insight into the the trans male experience. And, like, and I, I felt that uh, Jack's feelings the first time that they had sex were very genuine too and him being like okay this is new for me we'll see what happens oh okay 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 and then nate having to like be more instructive because because this was a new experience for jack and that felt great but then i'm just like yeah but also i don't care what jack had for breakfast yeah I will say this book had one of my favorite jokes. Go on. Like it was one of my favorite jokes. I think we've read it. I laughed so hard for so long about it. Uh, Nate says, Nate says to Jack, he's like, well, next time, like, uh, next time I want to actually do this at my house because I've got a whole bag of tricks. And then Jack says, you mean a bag of dicks? Because one, it was very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was a, an important part of Nate's experience. And Nate had talked about it, but just like it was so funny. <laughs> like, I laughed so hard for so long. And honestly, this whole book, like, um, while I do, I, I would say, like, yes, it felt after school special. It did feel prescriptive at times. Mm-hmm. It did feel a little bit like a teaching moment more than an erotic fun moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I would, I would totally read the, any book that has a joke that good in it. Like, no problem. <laughs> 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 it was, uh, great. Was that but that I, book? Yeah, that was that book. That was that book. <laughs> Choose Me, Silver Fox Romance, Book One, Natasha Moore. When her husband leaves her for a younger woman, Eve is alone for the first time in her life. And it feels amazing. She grabs onto her independence with both hands. Done with men running her life and making her decisions, Eve quickly unloads the Mick Mansion and hires the contractor next door to renovate her new apartment. She doesn't expect or want these incredible sparks zapping between them. Rick's had plenty of freedom and independence since his wife died and daughter got married. Working for a family construction company and volunteering with a local fire department helps him keep busy. 
But his big house is still empty at the end of the day. Freedom, independence, they mean nothing without someone to share it with. Even Eve's independence starts to feel more like loneliness. Will she choose a second chance at love that's right before her eyes, or is she too afraid to risk her heart again? I am already angry. I am already uh, so angry. <laughs> okay. Let me just... I just... I, okay. <laughs> Listeners, I'm going to take you on the journey that I went on when I started reading this book. Yes. Take us. Okay. Take us there. So within the first couple chapters, we learn that Rick is a widower. Um, his... Daughter is married and grown and out the house, and he does his various things to keep busy. He seems like a very sweet man. He's involved with the community. Great, great, great. Next door is Eve, whose husband has left her for a much younger woman. Her daughter is uh, engaged, soon to be married, and living with the boyfriend. Her son has moved, because they're on the East Coast, her son has moved to California for some tech job. And she's also alone in her in her house, and they seem to be well off, so per the back of the book, they are McMansions. She's trying to, she owns a little antique store downtown, and she's just trying to figure stuff out. And within the first couple chapters, the way that it talked about how lonely these two people were and how empty these houses felt. I, it, like, there's a part where Rick comes home and he has this thought, because he had spoken to Eve earlier in the evening or something, and he has this thought, it's like, I wonder if Eve's footsteps echo through her house the way that mine do in my house. His wife uh, was killed by a drunk driver. We found out later on the night of their daughter's wedding. Very sad. And I was just like, okay, okay. Here are these two very nice people with a lot of baggage. And this is one of the very few moments where Neil was like, I'm ready for this slow burn. I want this burn to be as slow as possible. I want to be able to like make cockavan on how slow this burn is. Beautiful phrasing. Let me tell you, listeners, it went off the fucking rails, and I am pissed about it. <laughs> I am so upset. So this is this is what I imagined this book was going to be. That Eve decides to sell the house, like kind of on a whim, but it obviously is very well motivated because she realizes that her father was very controlling of her mother and she sort of adopted that behavior and then she married her ex-husband Don straight out of college. He was also controlling not in a way that seemed as abusive as her father but still not great. He seems like a total asshole and so now she's like I'm not resp like fuck off Don. I'm not responsible for the kids. They're grown. They have their lives. And I don't want to turn to my mother. And hey, the tenants in the apartment just above my little shop where I own the building have moved out. <gasps> I'm going to move into this little one-bedroom apartment. It's going to be so fucking cute. I'm going to live my best goddamn life. Because for the first time in my life, I am independent. And Rick is like, I'm such a good person. 
I miss my wife so terribly, my poor dead wife. And even though it's been a very long time, I still love her and I can't imagine being in love with anyone else. And then the, and then the exceedingly slow burn of both of them realizing that even with those things, they can be happy together. That is not what happens. I'm so upset. Rick decides one day that he wants to fuck Eve. And then there's this weird thing. They go out. She hires him to renovate her apartment. They go out to dinner to talk about it. Also, 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 it's a small town. His last name is Best. And everything we've come across is called Best Whatever. So obviously his family runs a small town. I don't trust those people ever. No, no. They, 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 they oh, go to like his sister's burger place, which is like Best Burgers or something. The town is Best, best Bay. Best Bar and Grill. Best Bar yes. and Grill. Best Bay. Best I think it's, I think best it's the only restaurant builders. in town because that's the only one that they eat at. Yeah. He and takes per, her. Yeah. He takes her there for a date twice in a row. I'm just like, no, you got to step your pussy up, bitch. Anyway. <laughs> um, so they go out to to dinner to like sign the contract for him to renovate they've just walked through the apartment she's like this is what i want this is what i want this is what i want they're talking about it and then people just assume that they're a couple and then it's like oh she's like i don't have a date for my wedding and she's like oh i want you to be the date my date to my daughter's wedding i guess we'll pretend to be a couple until the wedding because everybody thinks we're a couple anyway and then as soon as the wedding happens we're we're gonna not pretend to be a couple anymore why yeah no Why? The whole time i could and then but for rick it would not not rick yeah rick oh yeah. god i was like he's he, it felt like he was rubbing his hands together evilly <laughs> the whole time like ooh. but by then i will get her to know that i'm yeah. the best man for because her we find out rick is a fucking asshole rick is oh my god. garbage so this entire entire book eve's like i don't want to get married again I don't think I even want to be in a romantic relationship again. I just want to, like, have my, my little... cute fucking apartment above my adorable antique shop. She's like, <laughs> and she has her two gal pals, and she's just like, I just, I just want to, like, do my own thing for the very first time in my life. She says this constantly. Constantly. Yeah. That's all she says to Rick. And then Rick keeps being like, why doesn't she love me? Why this? Why is she pulling away? What? And then another thing too. So he's always he's insistent all the time about everything. He's like, "Oh, you should do this for the apartment. You should do this. You should do this." And she's like, "No, I can handle it, guy." And he's like, "Why is she overreacting? I'm a straight talker. I'm not gonna watch what I say around her. No, no, no. I never knew that Eve was such a prickly woman." Blah blah blah. And then the narrative is like, oh, stupid Eve. She was overreacting. And it's like, okay, no. Also, Rick didn't notice, didn't realize that she would only ever kind of get snippy like that when it was about the apartment. Because what has she been saying this whole time? I want my independence. I want this my independence the whole means time. My independence. And he just frankly doesn't listen to her because we're skipping way ahead. There's one point, he's like, marry me. I'm in love with you, marry me, move in with me. She's like, no. And he's like, but I love you. 
but I love you and this is what I want. So that's what we should do. And she's like, no, what? No. And then, so it says early in the book that she's learning how to ask for what she wants. That would be a perfect moment for her to say very clearly what she wants, even though she has been saying it this whole time. But then the narrative, and then fucking Tess. Oh, oh, fucking, I was so angry mm. at that. Like, I feel like, oh, I want to read that part out loud. Yes, I want to, I, because. I also have it marked. Okay, wait, let place. me. Well, find now that it. it takes me 600 years to find my bookmarks, I'm exaggerating, of course. Okay. Um, action. Okay, so I will be reading Tess, and Claire, if you will read Eve and the narration, please. So got this it. is. Um, this is at her daughter's wedding where Rick thought it would be a good idea to propose to the mother of the bride and ask her to move in with him despite the fact that this whole time all she has said is how she wants her independence and she says no and now she's upset about it because she does have feelings for him and also is feeling like he doesn't understand her and hasn't been listening to her spoiler alert he hasn't and then she gets confronted by her friend Tess who's a bitch. This is what happens. Again, I am Tess. Of course he cares. He just loves you enough to think you'd want to be with him all the time. And when Tess said it that way, Eve knew she was right. I know. And I do love him too. So again, what's the problem? I'm afraid I'll end up weak again, changing my life for a man, not able to make my own choices. Let's stop right there. The sharp tone of Tess's voice made Eve freeze. What? I've heard you talk all kinds of shit about how you didn't take that job with the startup company down south right out of college because Don didn't want you to move. Did he twist your arm? Did he chain you to the kitchen stove? Did he threaten to kill your firstborn child? Oh, don't be ridiculous. So it was your decision. Your choice. We were married. So Don could have gone with you if he really loved you. Or you could have gone without him and maybe one of you would have sent the other divorce papers out of the blue instead of following to get the other back. Tess cleared her throat after that outburst, but before Eve could even process her words, her friend grasped her hands. But the truth is that it was your choice to stay here. She was right. Yeah. But did Eve even make those choices for herself or for the man in her life? It's cut and dried for you, isn't it? Don't second-guess yourself, sweetie. What's done is done. You have a great guy who loves you now, and you have a choice to make. Don't let him get away because you think you don't have a choice. You always have a choice. Tess was right. She was always right. Eve had been so afraid to try with Rick that she'd made a knee-jerk decision and then blamed him for it. So, to recap... Oh, Christine's clapping. Thank you. We bow. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank yes, you. yes. Um... To, so to recap, Eve wants an independent life for the first time in her life, like everyone deserves. And Rick, this guy that she has been with, that they pretended to be together for absolutely no reason, uh, has obviously not been listening to her um, because uh, she said no to his proposal, but it's what he wants. So that's bad of her to say no. And then the narrative punishes Eve for wanting independence. And, and, and like straight up, like after we've learned so much about this first marriage that she had, which was obviously awful, like awful. things like uh, Dawn insisted on always being on top 
and mm-hmm. that was just what was always going to be. Uh, he never gave her a second orgasm, and mm-hmm. it seems like didn't even try. Uh, didn't like her having her friends over and complained about it vocally. Mm-hmm. Did insist that they stay in this town. Um, made her play a homemaker, so he was angry when she said she wanted to, to, to use her own money that she'd gotten from her father's death to make that little shop. He was angry and almost talked her out of it by yelling at her. And despite wanting her to stay at home, he insisted on painting their walls a deep mustard yellow, which I personally think is grounds for divorce in and of itself. It's a direct so, call to the yellow wallpaper, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he was overbearing and wanted to control every aspect of her life. But by that point, they were already together. They were already married. And I'm sure at that point, they already had the kids. But Neil, she made the choice. She made the she choice. She made the Neil. choice. She, she could have just left him. She could have just, just left him. It's just that easy. Like, I mean... That's Fuck what, off, Tess. That's what everybody should hear when they've just fortunately gotten out of an abusive relationship, right? Is that, mm-hmm. well, you were the one who decided to stay. Well, you could have yeah. left. It's your own damn fault, sweetie. Um, and so then she has, Fuck like, off. there's one night where she's decided, it's I'm going to be by myself tonight. I am looking mm-hmm. forward to being by myself tonight because mm-hmm. Rick has a fireman's thing he has to do. And so she's like, she says with a wave of the hand, <laughs> fireman say, and so she is excited about it. Like she yeah. is, oh, she's got her new apartment. It's all set up. She fucking loves it. And oh she's God. got it her little popcorn. So goddamn it's, cute, it's so cute. That apartment. And so she sits down and then Rick calls and he's like, I'm coming over. And she's like, oh, no, you're not like, no, you've got your thing doing. And he's like, no. And he like forever is trying to talk her into a date that night. And she's like, no. He's like, what about after? She's like, no, please don't come over. And so after he like berates her for a while and then finally Mm -hmm. gives up, she sits down and is like, maybe I am feeling lonely. It's like, no, girl, you're feeling guilty because that guy just shit on you for 15 mm-hmm. minutes. Because this is another example of uh, the terrible ex and the sexy new guy are the exact same person. The only difference is that our female main character wants to fuck the new guy. Mm-hmm. And that excuses his behavior. No, he's... And the thing, again, he... In those first couple chapters, he seemed like such a nice guy, like such a genuinely nice person. And then he just decides out of the blue, like we barely talk about the dead wife and his feelings about that. Just like, oh, yeah, I want to fuck Eve now. So that's what's going to happen. One of the most one of the most disappointing things that happened in this book, and there were so many, but one of them. So after they'd had their initial sex scenes and they were pretty good, I'm not going to say they weren't hot. The one in the window. Oh, my God. I fucking loved that. That was very good. I mean, it was really sexy. (laughs) Like, it was a very sexy scene. Um, Honestly, it was super hot. To interject and explain to our listeners, um, Rick had Eve over and at one point he stood behind her in front of this giant window so they could see their reflections while he like got her off so that she could watch them watch herself be gotten off and it was very sexy. It was but also what was sexy about it which was I thought like really creative and very interesting was that because of the way the lighting was set up inside the house and it's dark outside because it's night there were points where she could only see herself 
Mm-hmm. And so, because, like, he would, like, disappear into the shadows while he was getting her off. And I'm like, that is hot! That is... <laughs> and, that, like, and I, that was my expectation of the book going forward, too. Just, mm-hmm. like, this, like, that... Like, this centered on her pleasure, centered mm-hmm. on, like, her need sort of thing. Like, so centered. He's like, look at yourself as I get you off. And I won't... It's like, I'm not even fucking here. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Yeah, this mm-hmm. sounds great. So then a couple of episodes forward, episodes, chapters, whatever they are, um, a couple of chapters Book for- TV? What is this? Who knows? Um, he's Watch like, us find out this is going to be made into a goddamn movie. Of course it is. Mm. Um, so he's like, why don't we have sex tonight? She's like, yeah, I'd like that. And he's like, and you know what? You can tell me what to do the whole time. And she's like, deal. Turn the page. Weeks later, we didn't get that scene. <laughs> We're like, what? Every, what? every sex I wanted scene, that scene. Yeah, because every sex scene that we do see, he dictates the pace and what happens. Like, there's one point where she's like, oh, my God, I want to go down on you. It's like, no, no, not yet. We're doing this instead. And she's like, ah, okay. It's like, no, I, I, and especially because she goes out of her way to talk about how Dawn always wanted to be on top. Like, I want to see Eve on top. That's why I'm reading this book. I want to see Eve on top. But then we just skip over. And then we go to a barbecue and talk about what dress she's going to wear at the wedding for like seven pages. And it's so boring. It was so boring. It was so boring. It was... It was utterly awful. There was even a moment in that sex scene, though, where they're going to talk about he wants to make her come again. And I appreciate the hell out of that. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But he's like, um, he's like, are you worried it's going to hurt? And I mean, there's part of me as a lady who has some sensitive areas that you have to like do things to to make yourself come. Um, yeah, sometimes if you try again, it is, it's like, no, I kind of do need a break. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it is a sensitive area. I need, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were really going for it. <laughs> so maybe just a pause in the action. Mm-hmm. I'll get you off for a little bit while I kind of relax. <laughs> I think that's fair. We can, mm-hmm. uh, because guess what? After you come, I can then come again. It's totally okay. <laughs> Let me dictate a little bit. No, in fact, he will not. He will not. In fact, she says very specifically, no, I can't. No, I don't want to. No, no, no. And guess what? The narrative proves that the man knows her anatomy better than she does. Mm-hmm. Because, hey, guess what? He makes her come a second time. And like, that should be part of the slow burn, right? Is that oh, he's yeah. like, okay, I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna push it, but I I bet I bet if she becomes if like I do what I can to help her become in touch with her own body, we can get her off a second time. But or, that's not what or happens. If or if I encourage her to trust me. Like, yes. like if she just trusts me and if I say, let me try. And if you're not comfortable, I'll stop. And she's like, no, no, no. Since you asked nicely mm-hmm. and didn't assume that's what I wanted, mm-hmm. I will let you try. But I have to let you know we may be here a while. Turns mm-hmm. out we're not here too long. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> but no, the narrative tells us that a man knows a woman's body better right. than she does. That's fine. Also, can we talk about some of the euphemisms used in this book? Oh, please do. Um... Heated channel. Uh, I'd, la- he- I'd prefer fr- 
I, I <laughs> he entered her heated channel. Nope. That's um, all right. There's one point, too, when he so, was insisting that Sounds he... like something you get at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> um, when he was insisting that he get her off again, he's like, I want to see you fly again. Okay, if someone said that to me in bed, <laughs> I am in my clothes and there's a needle-shaped hole in the wall <laughs> within 10 seconds. That is not what I want to hear in bed. Like, that is gross. And then there's another part where it's like he spilled his seed inside her. When very specifically you were wearing a condom, it's like he spilled his seed inside of her and his love into her heart. I'm like, gross, 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 gross. <laughs> They're one and the like, same, Neil. They're one oh, and the same. <laughs> I know. I hate it. I'm just going to shoot my load it. right up into your heart. <laughs> oh. Like, I would even prefer that. <laughs> you know? I would rather that he spilled his seed inside of her heated channel. <sighs> I hate... I hate uh, yeah, to me, heated channel is something that engineers use when they talk about digging tunnels. Like, the, uh. the channel needs to be heated before they can apply the driller. It's just, oh, so unpleasant. Um, but then at the very the, it ended how I wanted it to end yeah it just getting there was ev everything wrong absolutely everything wrong um, which is that at the very end Rick realizes oh my god I should have listened to her because she wants independence I, and it, just came, it came as a sudden realization as if she had never said it and he said that he was a straight-talking guy and didn't want to, like, watch his words around her at least three times. But then he's just like, Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, she's independent! Ah! Uh. Bitch, she's been saying that to you this whole goddamn this book. This whole time. So then he's, he proposes again, but he says, Will you be engaged to me for the rest of our lives? We will be committed to each other. You will have your apartment. I will have my house. And that will be our relationship. I'm like, yeah, that's what I wanted. Yeah, that that's sounds great. That's what I wanted. Hooray. Because, or even, even if they did end up living together again, I wanted Eve to realize, oh, 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 in a healthy relationship, you can have independence and then also be in a relationship. Yeah. But fucking, fucking Rick and his goddamn stupid brothers and that disgusting diner that they eat at and just like all of it all of, and then the kids the kids were awful the, oh they everybody just like was awful. showed up making demands of everyone uh, and then i will have can i ask you is there any better like underlining of what toxic masculinity is than a man refusing to be called boyfriend because he doesn't want to be called boy it's I, uh, I, him and, um, uh, who's the guy from last time? No, I, you, uh, you didn't think I'd think of that by myself? What? Uh, uh, oh, right. That yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The two of them can bro out, probably stab each other, and then everyone will be better off. Eve and Homegirl from that tiny town over there will all be better off. Yep. 
Facts. All facts. Yep. I also kind of wanted Eve to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a tryst with that cute young waiter. Oh, my... I mean, it got a little awkward for me, but yes, uh, uh, agreed. Uh, that that kid yeah, 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 was yeah. way too flirty for me, but also, yeah, might as well. Oh, definitely, definitely. He was um, into her. He was into it. And just like, yeah, go, go fuck him. He's about to leave for college anyway. You both know it's literally just sex. Go fuck him. Discover some stuff about your body. Get your apartment. Live your best life. And then if you absolutely have to date this asshole but still live in your own apartment like i would i would have absolutely loved a book where uh they 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 dated for a little bit and he was like and she really did love him and he asked her to marry him too soon and she was like no absolutely not i want my independence and so he like peaced out and ghosted her because he's just toxic about shit mm-hmm. and so she just started dating other people and having a lovely life and over that time like he learned things like mm-hmm. he grew as a person he came back and apologized to her and she's like so i'm still gonna have my own apartment but maybe we can fuck once in a while and then they get their feels back and then mm-hmm. they realize things and then he's like and when he proposes again he's like i don't think we need to get married if you wanted to have an open relationship that's fine I just value you in my life. And she's like, great. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I wanted. Yeah. It would have, it would have been so nice. Um, uh, two last thoughts that I have is, um, I'm not going to say that I feel bad for her, um, but the Dawn's new wife, Tiffany, uh-huh. I just like run girl, get out. Also, out. all the moments we actually talked with Tiffany, she seemed really smart and nice. Yeah, other than the fact that she was with having Dawn. an affair with a married man. Right. Um, but, I mean, which, she was like, he's had too much to drink. I'm very sorry, everybody. <laughs> so now we, get, we, now we see what Eve's relationship was like with Dawn, because obviously Dawn is only looking for women who will be submissive to him yep. in a way that's not consensual and sexy. Yeah, fuck you, Tess. So we see, we see, like, Tiffany is Eve, like, 20 years ago. Exactly. And I, I'm like, and I, I, I know it'd be too much for Tiffany and Eve to become friends, but I kind of want the two of them to just, like, go on a road trip together and fuck a bunch of guys. How much do you want to bet that Dawn started seeing Tiffany once uh, the shop started to get successful and Dawn realized, oh, she really is independent and on her own? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably. Was like, yeah. that's not what I want in a lady. Yeah. I don't yeah. want a lady who's her own person. Yeah. And so if I go back real quick to the title of this book, Choose Me. Now, instead of it being like, choose me among all the other men who are out there, or choose me over the loneliness that is our lives, it's choose me over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> choose me like, over your one bedroom walk up over your little antique shop. Like, there's a point where she's like, and I'll just live in my one bedroom walk up over my antique shop. And I highlighted it. I'm like, that is the fucking dream, sister. Yeah, it sounds great. Oh, oh. One tiny oh, example that speaks volumes of how Rick is a garbage person. So, at the wedding, whenever he didn't see Eve, he started freaking out a bit because that's how his wife died is it was at their daughter's wedding and she was like oh i forgot blank i'm just gonna go home and pick it up really fast and then she was hit by a drunk driver and it was really terrible so when he wouldn't see eve he was sort of having like 
it was almost like a panic attack, but like aggressive broy panic attack. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a point where he's like checking in with people. He's like, "Oh, have you seen Eve? Have you seen Eve? Have you seen Eve?" And someone's like, "Oh yeah, this and this." And he has this thought. He's like, "Did she leave without telling him?" And it's like, oh, well, of course she did. She's independent. And that was in italics. I'm like, oh, so in his mind, an independent woman means that she's selfish. Good. This is the foundation of a good relationship for Eve. Great. Um, I think one moment that really highlighted for me, like, why I would not come back. So after they have their lovely sex scene in his house, Mm -hmm. um, he gets a fire alarm thing, has to go Mm -hmm. run to do that. And she's like, I don't want to stay here. Yeah. She's just like, this isn't my bed. This isn't my place. I don't, it feels weird to be here without him. Mm-hmm. I was going to go. And she lives next yeah. door. So she just gets up and goes back to her home. Also, really, sorry to interject really fast. It talks about how she picked up her clothes and her phone from, like, her phone was on the nightstand and her clothes were on the bedroom floor. No, 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 no. He got her naked downstairs in the living room. Yeah. How did the clothes and the phone get up there? That's what I'd like to wonder. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so she she just goes because she doesn't need to be there. And he comes back, like, uh, after what seems like a very short fire. <laughs> like, and it was no big deal. He's very tired, just wants to cuddle up to oh. her, and she's not there. And I want to say, like, yeah, uh, okay, sorry, bro, that's fine. Like, it sucks. You can connect with her tomorrow about this. Like, if you were upset that mm-hmm. she left without leaving a note. But honestly, you know where she is. She lives next door to you. It's, it's it's okay. And then he sat there and, like, watched her move through her house. Yeah. And then she comes over because she forgot her phone, actually. She forgot her phone. And he was, like, mm-hmm. accusatory. Like, why did you leave? And she's like, because I don't live here. <laughs> this isn't my house. And I don't have to stay if I don't want to. And she, he's like, you should want to. And she's like, why? <laughs> wait. Wait. Look, also, just because love... you made me come at least three times doesn't mean I want to cuddle. <laughs> also, I love that later referring to the bit in the window, he's like, oh my god, was it too kinky for her? Was it too sexy crazy? Oh my god. I'm like, okay. Sure. 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 I, I mean, like, baby steps for Eve, but who, you know what? Do you know what? I want Eve to have her little apartment, hook up with a few guys, find a like really wild kink that she's into and just like enjoy that for the rest of her life 100 100 that was that book that was that book are you ready are you ready Mm-hmm. Okay, Claire. <gasps> Yay. Are you ready to fuck Mary kill some people? L- let's fucking marry and kill. Let's ba-da, fuck Mary kill. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. Would you we're very musical today. Well, I say the word musical loosely. Um <laughs> generously. Uh Claire. Yes. Would you like to go first or should I go first? You go first. Okay. So, Claire. Fuck Mary Kill. Uh-huh. The best bar and grill. Uh-huh. A car on a dark road. Ooh. And and we didn't really talk about it, but this was important to uh the book Second Chance. A churchyard. Oh, okay. That's where so... Jack and Nate 
reacquainted, and then during the fight, that's where Nate, Nate went and Jack found him again. It was a churchyard. These are so, all where important emotional uh, things happen to our characters. Yeah, but also not where you want to spend a whole lot of time because one thing or the other about them is uncomfortable. You say that, but I'm going to marry the graveyard. <laughs> great. Great, great, great. <laughs> one, I fucking love graveyards. I mean, uh-huh. it's a, uh, I find... I find them just just like centerpieces of humanity and when, like how we see ourselves and what we want to give to our future selves. Like just this like, what are like, we looked around and we're like, what do we do with these bodies? <laughs> like this was what we came up with. And I love it. I love it. I love it. When it's safe to travel again, can we go to Paris and go to Père Lachaise together? Yes, please. Because I have not been. I have also not been. Great. We'll do it. It'll be great. Excellent. Christine can come too, obviously. I will 100% say I am scared of graveyards at night. So we'll go in the day? Yes, we have to go in the day. I'm sure it's also closed at night. I'm sure they don't want people in them at night. I don't know. Maybe they do. All I'm saying is it freaks me out. I'm a big old scaredy pants. Okay, so you're going to marry the churchyard. I'm marrying the churchyard. Um, I am also going to, oh, I'm going to fuck the car. Because mm-hmm. honestly, I think, you know, that is where I, I do have a couple of nice memories of fumblings in cars. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely do. I have some not so great memories, but I feel like we as an American culture have centered a lot of our sex around automobiles. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you grew up in the suburbs like we did. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but I have, so I'm gonna, I don't think I want to stay there forever. I don't want to fuck there forever. Mm-hmm. But I'll fuck it. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna kill the best bar and grill, because one, not the best. Two, obviously where everybody is, and those bitches be gossiping. All Three, the goddamn time. Those burgers did not sound tasty. No. no. Nope. They sounded dry and unpleasant. It also was described as, like, a combination of, like, sort of, like, not even a greasy spoon, but, like, like a, a low-end diner and a sports bar. And I'm like, I don't like either of those things. And I've been to those small towns that have only that thing to eat at, and it is not good. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. No. No, the, we're going to... The booze is cheap, and that's its only redeeming quality. We'll burn it to the ground. <laughs> It'll be the best. Neil. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to do the exact same. I'm going to marry the churchyard. Um, uh, I, I find graveyards interesting. I also find churches interesting, um, mm-hmm. especially old churches. Um, I think they're very interesting and just sort of like there's something. I feel like there's a lot of... Um, uh, mythos around a churchyard, like the sort of thing oh, that yeah. could happen in a churchyard. ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, I'll I'll marry that. We'll have a spooky wedding. I'll be kind of cold all the time. Whatever, it's fine. Um, and then I'm also gonna fuck a car on a dark road. I also have um, car fumbling memories. One comes to mind very specifically because <laughs> it wasn't along a road. It was in a parking lot. But, like, this is suburban Southern California where the parking lots are, like, the size of three city blocks. And uh, we, 
my boyfriend at the time and I weren't doing anything, but we were stopped by security. It was like, hey, uh, maybe move it along. Like the cop did in this book. Um, so yeah, I'm going to fuck those. And then I'm also going to kill the best bar and grill because it didn't sound great. And then on top of that, even if it was like a mediocre place to eat, sure, fine. But just like those brothers were there all the time. Did they all not the time. have jobs? Uh, yeah, they were volunteer firemen and contractors, and evidently they didn't have much to do in either of those because, uh, they were always fucking there. Right. Also, real fast, Tess was a realtor in a small town. It's like, how often are people moving? I don't know. It didn't seem like much from the description of the town when we first got the description of the town, but nope, now we've got to, I don't know, it... I it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't exist. It's fine. Anyway, I don't know. Like I don't I don't need that restaurant. I I would I would much rather like a bonafide kind of sketchy greasy spoon than this like weird diner sports bar thing where everyone is fucking there all the time. First. Neil, fuck Mary Kill. Uh-huh. Small gossipy towns. Okay. Uh social pressure to be traditional. Uh-huh. And the word boyfriend. Okay. Small gossipy towns, uh-huh. social pressure to be traditional, and the uh-huh. word boyfriend. Okay. So I'm going to kill social pressure to be traditional. Yes! Kill it! Because, one, why? And then, two, like, that's my existence as a queer person. So, bye! Bye! Um, I guess I'm going to fuck the word boyfriend because can you can you marry it <laughs> look can, we just decided to kill being traditional that's true that's true that's true <laughs> yeah i just like i i understand um wanting to have a word for the person that's like more serious than your boyfriend um and what that word is you know whatever you want it to be so i put support that so i'm gonna fuck boyfriend because your boyfriend is a good person to fuck as long if, as... if your friend is a boy and wants if, to be called a boy if your friend is a boy or your boyfriend is a good person yeah then then fuck him um and i guess i'll marry small gossipy towns um because like I'll be fucking my boyfriend, and that's what everyone's going to gossip about. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, we're into leather. Tell everyone. Um, And then when the gossip is happening around me, but it doesn't involve me, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. And I know know that makes me petty. I know that makes me, like, that kind of bitch. But, like, I I love it. I I love, especially, like, really insular communities. Their gossip is the fucking best. Uh, We went to two very small towns in Arkansas. And we visited the the little theater that was there. And uh, he took us through it. And it was very entertaining. And then the next place we stopped at was this little gift shop in the next town over that had little tchotchkes and things. And she was like, well, what have you two been doing? And we're like, oh, we went to the playhouse. We met with Greg. Oh, Greg, he's a mess. And I was like, girl, tell me all about it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's happening, but le- I am in. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, he's a mess. 
and gossip in a southern drawl. Well, and I oh. wanted to say, like, I am standing in the middle of your tchotchke store that is dedicated to rocks with the Beatles' faces on them. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Way to bury the lead, Claire. In Arkansas. I'm yeah. pretty sure y'all are messes. <laughs> <laughs> But please tell me how Greg is a mess. Yeah. Please, lady. <laughs> and tell me your name so that I can ask Greg about how you're a mess. Oh, it was Annabelle Lee, and she is known as the woman who snuck onto the Beatles jet and stole a pillowcase. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my God. Can we read a romance novel about her? I'd love uh, it. Indeed. Indeed. Or anyway, maybe not I about will... her, but her niece that lives with her. <laughs> yes. Yes. I will also be marrying small gossipy towns. And I will say, like, a mm-hmm. lot of times, I think these small gossipy towns, like, they're set as, like, the villain or the thing that forces everybody together. When, in fact, I feel like every community has its small gossipy town. You and I are in theater community in San Francisco, and that is a gossipy bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I'm a but, gay guy in San Francisco. Like, I know who everybody's sleeping with. <laughs> that kind of gossip helps us get to know each other it helps us like like there are ways it can be toxic and there's ways it can be helpful and Mm -hmm. i think like i'd like to see i'd like to see the gray area of that in a book sometime instead of it just being always the villain or always about the tradition i of course am too going to kill the idea of tradition i think Mm -hmm. it hurts everybody and, like, mixed with the gossipy town stuff, that's when the gossipy town becomes the villain. But if the gossipy town was just chit-chatting, I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, like, theater and being queer in San Francisco. Nobody's trying to be traditional in those communities. So the gossip is all the juicier. <laughs> so juicy. <laughs> it's so juicy. It's not about, like... What so-and-so brought to the church potluck. I don't care about how bad her potato salad is. But it's, like, it is some juicy stuff. And it's great. Um, And, yeah, I guess I'm going to fuck the word boyfriend. It's difficult. I mean, like, I think we've had talks about how there's so many ways in which the binary doesn't help anybody. Not Mm -hmm. even people who are living in the quote-unquote traditional ways. Like... And it shows in that book, even in Choose Me, how the binary actually isn't useful. (laughs) Like, tradition, the binary is not good. I mean, I'll fuck it because it's good for now. But let's hope we find better words. Yeah. Here's to finding better words. Yeah. Um, great. And the characters? Um, so... I'm going to kill Rick Dawn. Just, like, together. Because they deserve it. Um, And then... I'm fucking and marrying Nate and Jack, but I can't really decide which is which. Um, I mean, like, Nate has his shit together, but he also has a kid. And I don't want kids. Yeah, but she's 16. She's only going to be around for a little bit longer. And she's practically (laughs) an adult. Um, Two years out... Yeah, and uh, I guess, but like, that's like for the rest of our lives. Yeah, but that's when they're more interesting. That's true. Um, and a couple years, we can I can legally go out drinking with her, so I guess that's 
Yeah, okay, so I'll marry Nate. Because um, he has his stuff together, and he uh, is in, like, web design or something, right? Yeah. So he works remotely, so wherever we decide to be, he can still work, which is great. Um, and then I guess I'll just fuck Jack, because he seemed good at it and pretty game. So. Oh, yeah, like, totally open, very, like learning new things like let's let's make this happen yeah and then eve is an honorable mention just because like i want good things for her i i want so many good things for eve eve deserves way better um so i am also gonna marry She she deserves better than the best Yes, better than best. She deserves better than best. Um, I am also going to marry Nate. Um, I, uh-huh. He had his shit together. He knows who he is, but also, like, he's really friendly, very open. Uh-huh. Like, he's he's got a lot of stuff going on. I liked Cassie, his daughter, very much. I thought she was, mm-hmm. like, she's also got her shit together. His mm-hmm. mom is great. I'd love to hang yeah, out so with all of them. Yeah, so you'd have good in-laws, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... Uh, I also would fuck Jack. Like he seems like a good time. Like he's got a lot going on. I don't. I don't think I could settle down with that. But he's got right, a right. lot of work to do on himself, and it's more and than just getting on a bicycle every week or something. He but shouldn't be in a relationship right now, anyway. Should, shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Um, yeah, and I'm gonna kill Rick because, fine. Like, I'm done. I'm done with it. And of the books, um, so I'm gonna kill Choose Me, Silver Fox Romance Book One. One, it was, it it was another example of the woman wanting something for herself, and the male and the narrative teaching her how she's wrong in that, and I absolutely fucking hate it. And then also, I was just so excited in those first couple chapters, and I was so on board to see these two. You know, older people there, he's 55. She was not a whole lot younger than that. Um, I was excited for these people to sort of like have a second chance in love, to have grown as people, to like better understand what they want out of life. And for that, for, for their perfect lives to also involve each other. And it just went downhill so very quickly, and I was so disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, like in reading things, something would get brought up that it's just like, oh, and then, like Rick says, oh, but I want to show you, or I want you to show me what you want, and I highlighted it. I'm like, this is never going to pay off. This is never going to get brought up again. And in fact, we're going to contradict it. And then three pages later, we do. Like I yep. could see ahead of time when the narrative was going to undercut Eve wanting independence. Yep. Because, because uh, according to tradition, uh, independence and being in a relationship are diametrically opposed to each other, which is untrue. Right. So part of dismantling this whole conservative, heteronormative patriarchy fucking bullshit is, hey, if you're in a relationship with someone... You can go do your own things, and it's still a wonderful relationship as long as it works for you. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to kill that book. And then I guess I'm going to fuck Second Chance only because, like, it felt so genuine to uh, a representation of the trans male experience, and I want more of that out in the world. 
And I know that uh, Jay Northcote has written several other books, and I'm just hoping that he has grown as an author and that those other books are great. Yeah, I, um, I'm i also going to fuck Second Chance. Um, I thought, like, there was a lot of really great things in it, but it was also overall just kind of boring. Like, yeah, uh, like the stakes weren't really all that high for anybody. The the romance wasn't all that romantic. <laughs> like, it was yeah, fine. It, it was fine. I'm glad they got together. More, yeah, it felt more slice of life than romantic narrative. Yeah. And good hooray. I I was it was fine. It was fine. Sure. Um sure, sure, uh sure. yeah, and I'm going to kill choose me uh cuz yeah, all the things that you said. Like uh, uh, honestly utterly disappointing. Mhm. Mhm. But all right. Mm-hmm. All right, Neil. 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 Yes. Neil, I think it's time. Yes. Yes. It's time to play our favorite game. <gasps> Christine. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm so, I'm so excited for this. Um, oh my god! Okay, let's see if you can guess the theme. I'm ready. The first book is Lady Claire is all that. Keeping up with the Cavendishes <laughs> by Maya Rodale. And okay. the other book is The Foxhole Court, all for the game book one. By Nora Sakovic. Apologies, Nora, if I mispronounce your last name. I am going to say it is professional cricket players. <gasps> um, uh, no, but something akin to cricket is involved in one of the books. Uh, yeah, it's like, um, what is the, the, I keep wanting to say lawn polo. It's not lawn polo. What is it? They play it in Heathers? What is that? Oh, that's um, cro- croquet. Croquet. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. <laughs> it's not, it's lawn not croquet. <laughs> oh. These okay. are good guesses, though. Is it lawn polo? <laughs> it is- <laughs> yes. No. no. No, it is not. Oh. Um, Do you need the titles again? Yes, they were very long. Yeah, okay. So the first one is Lady Claire is All That, colon, Keeping Up with the Cavendishes by Maya Rodale, and The Foxhole Court, All for the Game, Book One by Nora Sakovic. Okay, there's got to be some kind of Keeping Up with the Kardashians twist here. Is it in both of the books, or is it just... Oh, what could it be? Is it basketball? One of them plays basketball, doesn't they? Doesn't they? (laughs) One of the Kardashians or husbands play basketball? Is it basketball? (laughs) (laughs) It is not basketball. One of them was or is married to a... I do not keep up with the Kardashians, so I don't know. I do not. (laughs) There is or was a basketball player involved at some point. It is not basketball. Tennis. No. Court intrigue. No. Uh, dressage. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> these I'm writing all of these down for future things, BT dubs. Neil, is it you yeah. and me? Is it Claire and Neil? Yes. Ah! <laughs> I thought that, and then when Neil wasn't in the title, ah! <laughs> so the theme is one of the main characters of each of these books is Claire, named Claire or Neil. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Getting some love. Well Getting done. some love. Very well done. Let me tell you something interesting. Finding a queer romance novel where one of the characters was named Neil was actually pretty easy. Oh. Finding a straight romance with a main character named Claire was very hard because oh. uh, two, th- two different reasons. One, almost everything that came up was either... Uh, uh, Outlander Mm -hmm. or Let's Talk About Love Mm -hmm. by um, Claire Kahn. Is that her name? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was all over the place. So sure. Whatever. The other reason it was very hard is because lots of romance writers have Claire in their names. Uh So be like, oh, this book by this Claire, this person, this book by this miss saint claire and i'm like no 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 no. i want the character to be named claire and then i found a couple but they were much too long so this one i'm very excited about this one seems to have a bit of court intrigue it's it's period it's uh it seems like an uh hate to love kind of thing i'm very excited and then the one with neil is like an alternate reality where this weird sport that doesn't exist exists i don't know I don't know. I don't know. Is it lawn polo? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a, a sport. <laughs> I think it was described as like a cross between cricket and ice hockey or something. Ice I don't know. Hockey. We're going to find out. Okay. We're going to find out. All right. So I'm very excited. Okay. I'm so excited. Yay, yay, yay. Yay. Well, thank you very much, Claire. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so Thank much, you. Christine. Yay. Thank you, authors. Thank you so very much, authors, as usual. Please keep authoring. Keep authoring. Um, and thank you so much, listeners. And Thank you, listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Coming back for more. We love that about you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Please be sure to tell everyone about us, all of your friends, all of your lovers, all of the people that you want to get dirty with and use us as a way to find out what they're into sexually. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Spark conversations. Find, Spark conversations. Find a thing, find a thing that you're into that we mentioned in one of our episodes, send it to them and be like, so what'd you think? What'd you think? Ooh. Ooh. Yep. 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 Um, and I think that's all we have to say. Except, except for if you can do so safely. Consensually. Um, then might as well keep fucking I wonder if people just are like <laughs> <laughs>